God praise the glory one more time. Come on. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Y'all can be seated. Y'all may be seated. Um, we are going to be uh, we're going to be finishing up a series today. Finishing up a series today um, called After uh, the Resurrection. After the Resurrection. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. So if you're not familiar with your Bible, uh, you can look in your New Testament. You have Old Testament, New Testament. So Acts uh, chapter number one. So that's in your New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 1. Uh, if you're watching right now on Facebook, I encourage you to hit that share button. We want to get the gospel out as much as we can, uh, as not only in this community, but really around the world. And so hit that share button. And for everybody in the room, we want to share it with as many people as we can. So that means next week, invite somebody to come. Can I get an amen on that? Invite somebody to come, all right? We'll make room for them. We'll make it work, all right? So Acts chapter uh, number one, uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for what honor it is to gather together in your house. Uh, Lord God, we didn't have this um, a month ago or even two months ago. And so Lord God, as we're kind of uh, getting back into the groove of things and, and, and doing these things on, on, on an in-person basis, Lord God, I hope we don't take it for granted in any way, shape, or form. And Lord God, I know that there are people watching online right now that um, are, are kind of holding back a little bit, and I get that. Uh, but Lord God, whether we're gathering in person or gathering online, Lord God, this is a wonderful, wonderful privilege and honor to gather in your name. And so Lord God, I pray that that, that in no way, shape, or form is, is lost on us, that we see this as, as an opportunity and privilege and an honor, Lord God, that we can come and we can, we can sing and worship, we can fellowship together. But, Lord, most importantly of all, we can, we can see your word and, and it can change our lives. So, Lord God, I pray that that's exactly what happens today. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. And, Lord God, speak to our hearts so that whatever's spoken today will not just change us today, but, Lord, for the days to come. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, all right, so we're in a series, or we're finishing up a series called After the Resurrection. So what we've done is since Easter, uh, last after, the Sunday after Easter, we have walked through the, the, from basically the, the resurrection to the ascension of Christ. And there's 40 days that he was on this earth after his resurrection. And we look to see, okay, how do we, uh, what are some things that we can learn after the resurrection, but also what are some things that Jesus said? So the first couple weeks of the series was all about just seeing different ways that Jesus showed himself evident to different people. He showed himself to Mary. Then he showed himself to other women, then to two men on the road to Emmaus, then disciples, and then later to Thomas. And we talked about that for the first couple weeks. Like, hey, he's shown himself evident. He's shown himself evident. He's shown himself evident, okay? So that was the first part of the series. In the past two weeks, we've talked about, okay, what did Jesus have to say before he ascended to heaven? Because I don't know about you, but and, and if, you've, if you've ever experienced this, there have been people that, that I've, I've lost in my life, and what they wanted to say at the very end of their life was something they want to make sure was the most important thing. Like, i got to tell you this before I go on. Like, I need you to hear this. So before Jesus left this earth, he had some things to say. And the fact that it was the last thing he said on earth before he ascended to heaven, I believe they're pretty important. Can I get an amen? Okay? And so what we're talking about today is really, really important because this is the final words of Jesus. The final words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. Okay? So the title of the message is, Before I Leave. Before I leave, there are some things that Jesus wanted to say before he left. So before I 
leave. So we're going to go ahead. Well, let's, let's jump into the outline, and then we'll get into the Word, okay? So if you're taking notes, the first final word we're going to talk about, number one, is the final evidence. The final evidence. So go ahead and write that down. The final evidence. We're going to start in Acts chapter number one, verse number one. So if you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, you're getting better at that. You've got you to gotta have it for about two months, but you've got to do it, okay? So if you're in Acts chapter number one, verse number one, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, here we go. All right. Y'all, if, if y'all get with me, I'll get excited. Y'all, maybe y'all don't like me excited. Here we go. All right, number one. Okay, verse number one. Here we go. It says, the former treatise, or the word treatise means book, okay? Have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Okay, so the first thing we see here is that the, 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 the former treatise, or that's a book. So one thing we need to understand is this, this is a book um, that is a follow-up to another book, all right? The book of Acts was written by, the, the, by Luke, okay, the writer of Luke. And so Luke is also writing um, Acts. So that's what we're saying. Like, and he addressed the same person, Theophilus, okay? So that's, that's what it talks about. That, hey, the book of Luke is all about what Jesus both did both do and teach, okay, until the day he went up, okay? Now in verse 3, it talks about to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion. That word passion means suffering, so after his crucifixion. By many infallible proofs. That word infallible means certain or convincing, okay? And so even though we took several weeks to give all these different examples of why Jesus really was the resurrected Lord, there are so many other ones. Um, even, even uh, I think it's at the end of the book of John, it talks about that if it was written down everything that Jesus did, that the books of the world couldn't even contain it. Like that's how much that Jesus did. So many infallible proofs that help from this standpoint, understanding that if you want to argue with it, you can, but there's so much evidence to the fact that Jesus actually did, did was resurrected, okay? Was resurrected. And speaking, here we go. Seen in them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This is kind of an introduction a little bit, but that's where it is, is that, hey, if you need some little bit more evidence to believe that Jesus actually was resurrected, this is the final thing we need to understand. I was reading in one of my commentaries, and it talked about this. It said at Jesus' death, they scattered. If y'all remember that, everybody scattered. The only, the only, only one apostle, John, actually stayed to, to the crucifixion. Peter denied him and ran, all the rest of them ran. Okay. They were disillusioned and feared for their lives. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus came as they were locked in a room. Okay. The reason why they were locked in a room because they were scared for their lives. Okay. After seeing the resurrected Christ, they were fearless and risked everything to spread the good news about him around the world. If you don't believe that, read the rest of the book of Acts because they are going wide open with it. They faced imprisonment, beatings, rejection, and martyrdom. Martyrdom basically means dying for the faith yet never compromised their mission. Notice this. These men would not have risked their lives for something they knew was a fraud. Think about that. If you read the book of Acts, every single one of them die for the faith. Why would you die for something that didn't happen? Why would you die for a fairy tale? Okay, But they were willing to die because it was real. It was true. It actually happened. Can I get an amen? Okay, It actually happened. 
And so just this is an introduction for this, for this first point, is the application is it cannot be denied. Like many infallible proofs, he wants you to understand, like, look, he did actually get up from the grave. And number two, if you're taking notes, not just the final evidence, but the final promise. The final promise. Let's look in verse number four. It says, And being assembled together with them, okay, Jesus is with, the, with, these, with these apostles, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the what? Promise, say it with me, but wait for the what? Promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me, okay? Whenever you see red letters, that's Jesus talking. So what is Jesus going to talk about? This promise, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, he is pointing to the day of Pentecost when they were going to receive the Holy Ghost, but we're going to talk about specifically about this promise of the Holy Ghost because they were told to wait for it. There's a reason why they need to wait for the Holy Ghost because without the Holy Ghost, they would not be able to accomplish what Jesus was going to ask them to do or the task they were going to have to be, uh, was going to be assigned. Now, when people say, I got, I got to make sure we're understanding on this, okay? Some people get confused on their theology because when people, there's some denominations that will talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost like it's something different from salvation, Okay, that there's salvation, and then later on you get the Holy Ghost, and you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Here's what I want to help you with. If you get saved, you have the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Okay, when you're baptized with the Holy Ghost, that basically means that when you get saved, you receive the Holy Ghost, you are now a part of, uh, of, of the family of God, okay? And so we need to talk about this from the standpoint of the Holy Ghost, that it's not something later on. We'll explain that in just a minute in the verse we're going to look at, all right? But talking about, talking about that they, they received the Holy Ghost at Pentecost, but from that point forward, when anybody ever got saved, they received the Holy Ghost at that very moment. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But we need to understand who the Holy Ghost is and why he's important. So let's look at Romans 8. Now we're going we're gonna to look at 18 verses of Scripture right here, okay? But I'll, I'll go back and forth with it, so y'all just follow me. Going back and forth as I talk about the different verses. But Romans 8, Romans 8, Romans 8, starting in verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay? Now, the word therefore, I mean, we've got to talk about what it was talking about before. In, in, in chapter 7 of Romans, it's talking about the law. Okay? And basically saying, Now there's no, now no, now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, because here's what the law does. The law condemns us, all right? When we look at the law, we look at the law and say, okay, I can't do all that, so obviously I'm condemned, but there's no condemnation, which is in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, let me explain that a little bit, okay? Now, when we think about the law, some of us think about the Ten Commandments, okay? That, there, there are the Ten Commandments, but, but God add all these other laws and all these other rules. There's over 600 rules in the Old Testament that you were supposed to follow. Now, what it's talking about when it says about the, 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 the law, the, when it says for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh is that what people were trying to do was they were trying to follow 600 some odd rules 
and we can't follow 600 some odd rules. Okay, maybe you're holier than I am, okay? Maybe y'all could follow 600 some odd rules. I couldn't follow 600 some odd rules, okay? Because the more rules you give me, the harder it is for me to keep them, right? Okay? And so why? Because we're weak. Our flesh is weak. I use the example. I've been starting to go in the gym again, okay? I know y'all could tell, you know, right? All right, so I've been going to the gym again. Every single morning, I do not wake up going, yes, it's gym time. Let's go. Right, Riley? Okay, Riley's been going with us, all right? He's been going, but he ain't happy about it, all right? And every time I leave the gym, my body says, don't go back, <laughs> right? And especially if it's leg day, my body tells me for several days, don't go back. Don't skip leg day, all right? Okay? I saw a shirt that had a flamingo on there. Don't, don't skip leg day, all right? But, I, but, but, but you know why? Because my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. Some of you are like, yeah, you're weak because you're not strong enough, right? That's why I'm going to the gym, okay? Right, Scotty? Okay, here we go, all right? But my flesh is weak because my flesh doesn't want to do the things it needs to do. Can I get an amen? Okay? Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Some people want to say, well, you know what? Here's what Jesus did. He, he, he came, and there's no need for a law anymore. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. So God's laws in the Old Testament, he still wants to be fulfilled. But it, but, but, so so for the, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, he wants us to fulfill the law. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the, what's that, what's that next word? Spirit, and that's a capital S, okay? That's talking about the Holy Spirit. Talking about this just a minute, okay? For they, are the, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, okay? The flesh wants the flesh, what the flesh wants. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, okay, or sinful minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Flesh, sin, leads to death. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, leads to life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity, that word enmity means enemy, against God. So this is what we need to understand. Our flesh is warring against God all the time. Our spirit wants to do what God wants to do. Our flesh wants to do what we want to do. Can I get an amen? Okay? And so it's all the time where our flesh is an enemy to the Spirit, against God. For it is not, look at this, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That the flesh has no moral obligation to follow the law because it can't, it can't fulfill the law. It can't do the law. It has no ability to do that. So, verse 8, so they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Not might not please God, cannot please God. Now let me explain that, okay? Here's what I want to help you with. This is why this messes up people that think they can get to heaven on good works. Because if you try to get to heaven on good works, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to heaven in your flesh. And if you're trying to do it in your flesh, what it's saying is the works of the flesh cannot please God. Here's, here's, here's the aha moment for you, right? Okay? What pleases God in me is not me. God doesn't look down at me and say, hey, look how great Buchanan is. He doesn't do that. Okay, what, 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 what pleases God is not me, but what's inside me. Does that make sense? Okay, 
So when God looks at me and says, I'm pleased by Buchanan, he's not pleased by, by Buchanan, he's pleased by what's inside Buchanan, the Holy Spirit. He's pleased with what he sees in me. He sees Jesus in me, and, and I stand righteous before God, not because of my own righteousness, but because of the righteousness of God in me. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen? Okay? So we can't please God by trying. And, and the reason why I say that, have you ever tried to stop doing something you know you shouldn't do? How's that working out for you? I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. And guess what keeps happening? You keep failing and failing and failing and failing. Because the problem is you're trying to do it in your own power. And, now, and, and what, what, what does it say about the flesh? What is the flesh? starts with a W. The flesh is what? Weak. It's weak. So, so really from the standpoint of what we're talking about, I may be jumping ahead a little bit on verses, but what, what's happening is you can't do it in your flesh, but you can do it in your what? Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Great example. I was talking to somebody the other day about forgiveness. Okay? Our, 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 when, when somebody does us wrong, our natural reaction is bitterness, right? Let me say our other natural reaction. Revenge. I'm going to get them back. Okay? That's our fleshly reaction. And if you say that you don't feel that way, you're lying. Okay? Somebody wrongs me, I'm like, okay, you're, 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 you're most wanted. Okay? You're number one on my bad list. All right? So, but I can't forgive somebody because that doesn't come naturally to me. I, I want revenge. I want bitterness. I want all kind of stuff. But what, what, what comes naturally, what doesn't come naturally to me is very natural to the Spirit. Okay? So I want, I, I want, I want bitterness and, forgi- bitterness and re- revenge. The Spirit wants forgiveness. So if I truly want to forgive somebody, it's not about me really working hard to forgive the responsibility is, no, Holy Spirit, fill me or control me so that the Spirit in me can do what? Forgive. Okay? There's a little ha-ha moment if you wanted one today. All right? So there you go. Uh, let's keep on going because I probably just completely just <laughs> jumped ahead. Verse 9, but you're not in the flesh. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, by the way, you're, you're, you have the flesh, but you shouldn't be in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? None of his. Say it with me. He is what? None of his. Now, here's the problem with people that think you get the Holy Spirit later on. Because according to this verse, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to God. Okay? One thing you can help with this. How do I know if I'm saved, Buchanan? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. Okay? According to this, according to this verse, okay? Verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Okay, but if the spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, look at this: we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify or make dead or kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, 
But you receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, here's another thing we do. As Christians, what happens is we get saved. We, Jesus died for the cross on the cross for our sins. We are completely free from sin. We have no bondage whatsoever. And then here's what we do. We try to do the Christian life in our ability. Guess what we've done? We've actually put ourselves back in bondage by doing that. If I've got to do it all in my own power, basically what I've done, I'm I'm in bondage. And here's what's interesting about this. Everything we're motivated to do when we try to do it in the flesh after we're saved is only going to bring about fear. Fear. Oh, I hope I didn't mess up too bad. I hope I didn't. We don't believe this, okay? But there are people that believe that you can lose your salvation, Okay? Now, I don't believe that. I believe, I believe once saved, always saved, I be, because, because I didn't do anything to get it, and I can't do anything to lose it. Can I get an amen? Okay? But, but the people that believe you can lose your salvation, what I worry about is they live in constant fear. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in fear. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about reverent fear of God. I'm talking about scared to death I'm about to mess it up. Okay? Again, the goal is not for you to get it right. The goal is to allow the Holy Spirit in you to get it right. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. All right. Okay, we're talking about this promise. Talking about this promise. Okay, verse 16, the Spirit itself, look at this. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay, you have a spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. So there you go. there there, There should be no conflict in your soul. Because your spirit should agree with the spirit of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. How do we come and join heirs of Christ? Not because of what we did, because of what Christ did. If so be that we suffer with him, uh-oh. Oh, Ken, I was with you all the way until you told us about that suffering stuff. Watch out that suffering stuff. That you may also be glorified together, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in what? In who? Us. So we may have to go through some hard times. We may have to go through some hard times as a Christian. And this is another thing that's probably not a popular thing nowadays. But if anybody told you that, hey, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, all your problems will go away, let me help you with what they did. They lied to you. They lied to you. Because I, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm problem free. Okay? And, and let me help you with this. As a Christian, it's okay that we go through some suffering. Okay? Because we're, we're, we're partakers of the suffering of Christ. So if he went to the cross, then we may have to go through that pain and agony too. But the suffering compared to what he wants to do in us and through us, it's no comparison. It's no comparison. When we talk about this promise of the Holy Ghost, I want you to understand who we're talking about and what it means to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and the fact of who this Holy Ghost is and what he is for you. Because here's the application. Here's the deal. You are never alone. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are never alone. In no way, shape, or form are you ever doing, let me say it this way, in no way, shape, or form should you ever feel like you're doing something by yourself. Now let's be honest, come on, let's let's, let's just be honest. I have a tendency to try to do things without God. I have a tendency, here's what I have a tendency to do. I have a tendency to go do things and then ask God to bless it later on. (laughs) I have a tendency to know, you know what, I'm just going to ignore God completely and just do my own thing. I have a tendency to do that. But in reality, according to this, is what God has wanted to do. Look, I've given you, I've given you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, 
so that you do not have to go through this life alone. All right? Number three, the, fi- the next final word, okay? Number three, the final charge. The final charge. Let's look at verse number six. Because when, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Now, to explain that, when they talked about Messiah coming, they thought Messiah, soon coming king, this is before Jesus ever showed up on the scene, and they said, hey, here's what happened. Messiah's going to come. He's going to deliver us. And especially from this standpoint, they're under Roman, they're under Roman occupation at this very moment. So they want to be delivered from the from the from being under the thumb of Rome and under Roman rule. And like, okay, Jesus, you've been doing that whole humble servant act for a good little while. Let's kind of quit the act and let's start becoming like, let's rule and reign together as the kingdom of Israel right here. That's what they want. Like, if anything, here's here's what happens. Like, okay, you didn't do it for three and a half years or 33 and a third years, okay? Then you went to a cross, and we thought all hope was gone. Well, then you got up again, you were resurrected, so obviously you've been hanging out with us so that you can establish this earthly kingdom. But yet Jesus says, this is the response that Jesus had, letters in red. says, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So he's, instead of saying instead of saying yes or no to that, he just said, "Look, like it, it's it, you're not going to know the time or the season." By the way, just as a side note: anybody who tells you the day the world is going to end, you can do whatever you want on that day because it's not happening. <laughs> All right. If anybody says they know the day, you can guarantee, put it in the bank, that it's not going to happen that day because no one knows the time or the season. Okay. But they're still in this mindset, they're still in this mindset about this earthly kingdom. So in verse 8, what's the first word in verse 8? Say it with me loud, ready, one, two, three. Oh, come on, it's not the double T, you can say this. All the, all the teenagers and kids are like, can I say it, mom? Can I say it, dad? Absolutely, you say this word all day long, okay? As long as you don't add the extra T, right? Ready, one, two, three, what's that word? All right, there we go, see? See, y'all, y'all are okay with it, okay? Y'all, y'all are still struggling, all right? It's okay. You can say the word. You can say the word. Sheree, I give you permission, all right? Here we go, all right? Listen to your parents, but you can say it, all right? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. But, there we go. She's like, I don't know if I want to say this, all right? Here we go. <laughs> Candy's like, oh, my gosh, how much, how much deprogramming do I have to do now? All right? Here we go. All right, but, but, so here's, here's what's going on. I'm not going to set up my earthly kingdom today. But I am going to do something else. I am going to do something else. Now, let's, let's listen, okay? But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part, part of the earth, okay? So what was he going to do? Like, I'm not going to set up my earthly kingdom, but I am going to do this. Now, so many people want to look at this verse and go, oh my goodness, here we go, share the gospel, all that kind of stuff. That is not the primary focus of what Jesus is trying to say. It happens and it's talked about in this verse, but what Jesus is trying to say is like, look, I'm not going to set up my earthly kingdom, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you power through the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm going to give you power 
through the Holy Ghost. It says, but, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power, okay? Sometimes it's old English stuff. We don't read it the way it needs to be, okay? All right? So after the, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power, all right? And ye shall be, not might be, could be, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth, okay? So it wasn't about necessarily about a task as much as it is about understanding that promise. Now that word power, that word power from the Holy Spirit is not limited to strength beyond the ordinary. It's not just talking about supernatural strength, okay? It also involves courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. We could, we could do it this way, but you shall receive courage after the Holy Ghost come upon you. But you shall receive boldness after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or you shall receive confidence after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or you shall receive insight after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Or ability after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And authority after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we look at that word witness. A witness simply tells what he has seen or heard. He tells what happened. Now, here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. It is the Holy Spirit who does the pleading and who calls for the verdict. Okay? Let's explain that a little bit. All right? So here we have, here we have, okay, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Are you going to set up your earthly kingdom, Jesus? No, I'm not going to set up the earthly kingdom. Only the Father knows the time and the season. But you are still receive power, and the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Okay? Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay? When it comes to to being a witness. One is, it is a natural outflow. Okay? It is a natural outflow. If we're not witnessing, that's not really... Well, let me say this. If we're not witnessing, that's not God's fault. Can I get an amen? Okay? If we're not being witnessed, that's not, that's not God's fault. A natural outflow of us is that if we receive power after the Holy Ghost come by, you shall be witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all other parts of the earth. So both here, near, and far. We shall be witnesses if we're, if we're engaging the power of the Holy Spirit. But our responsibility is to be a witness. Our responsibility is not to save someone. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit who does the, the pleading. It's the Holy Spirit who, and I, I like the terminology, it's the Holy Spirit who calls for the verdict. Great example, Okay? Uh, my responsibility is to share the gospel with someone else. My responsibility is to share my story. My responsibility is to be a witness of what God has done or, is, or has done in my life and seen in his life or be a witness of what God has said in his word. Okay, I'm supposed to be a witness of that. The Holy Spirit has a job too. I use, I, I, I'm probably jumping ahead. But here's what happens. is we. Here's what happens. There are so many people, I feel like, who are... I'm just going to say it out. I'm going to say it out loud so everybody understands this. I want everybody to really check up on their salvation because I'm what I'm worried about is what pe- where, when people got saved, it was a holy convincing, not a holy conviction. I'm going to explain this, okay? All right? We have convinced people, "Hey, just do this and you'll get saved." But salvation doesn't start with belief. Here's the reason why I say that. The demons believe and tremble, right? It's not about, salvation doesn't start with belief. 
Salvation starts with repentance. Okay? Now, let me explain this a little bit. If you believed and never repented, you may have just been convinced, not convicted. Okay, now everybody stay with me here, okay? Because there was, and I shared my story last night with an individual last night. At 14 years old, I said a prayer. At 14 years old, I said a prayer because I wanted to be accepted by some girls in the youth group. And so they said, hey, you get saved. You prayed this prayer, all this kind of stuff. You'll get saved. I prayed a prayer. Six months later, I got baptized. But I was not under Holy Spirit conviction at that time. I said a prayer. I was convinced that this is what I needed to do. Okay? But salvation doesn't start with a convincing. Salvation starts with conviction. And at 16 years old, by myself, in my bedroom, I came under Holy Spirit conviction because I realized I was a sinner. And before I could turn to God, I had to turn away from sin. And why I'm saying that is because I, so many times, I, I use exam, example, and I don't want to blow his head up because I think he's thinking he's pretty awesome and he's not. Jackson Harcrow. Um, <laughs> I love Jackson, by the way. But he was talking to me about, about, about there was three people at his work that got, got led to Christ on one day. And, and I said, well, tell me a little story. Remember, he went into this and told more story. One thing I loved about it is he said he had guys coming up saying, hey, I, I think I want to do this. And Jackson was like, hey, you better do this because God's telling you to do this. If you're not, like, you need to wait. And all. I'm like, man, like they're, like they're coming to you wanting to get saved. And you're like, stop, you know. But I'm looking at it going, how many times have we made it so much about like this, you know, ABC, one, two, three, and I know I use the ABCs, okay, I get that. But how, have we made it so much about, about just say this prayer and you're good, when in reality what we should be saying is, hey, if it's not Holy Spirit conviction, if God's not drawing you right now, this is not about what I'm trying to convince you of, this is about what the Holy Spirit is convicting you of. Does that make sense? Can I get an amen? Okay. And so there's people that, that you, like, and I'm going to challenge everybody right now. I want you to go back in your salvation story, and if there's no level of conviction, you need to check up. Maybe you're not saved because there was no Holy Spirit conviction. Okay? Well, Buchanan, how do I know that? Do you feel Holy Spirit conviction now when you do something wrong? Because if there's no Holy Spirit conviction now, remember, if you, if you don't have the Spirit, you are none of His. You don't belong to Him. And so if you, and, and, and I, I, I'm going to help you with this. There's a difference between being regretful and remorseful and being repentant. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Okay. There's times where I felt bad for what I did. And there's, there are times where I felt convicted about what I was doing. Because here's the difference. When I'm remorseful or regretful, I feel I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did and maybe how it impacted somebody else. When I'm repentant, the only person I'm apologizing to is God. Because I didn't sin against somebody else. I sinned against God. Say it with me. I sinned against who? God. And when I'm under Holy Spirit conviction, I realize, wait a second, I sinned against God. And so I just want to, I just want to help everybody here on this side of it. And, and, and the, the goal was not for this to be a salvation message, but I think there's some people that need to hear, like, look, you got to do your part, and the Holy Spirit needs to do their part. And here's the thing, so the, the, the way the gospel gets out is we need both people. Let me help you with this. The Holy Spirit really doesn't need us. <laughs> he wants to use us, okay? He doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. 
And, and here's what's interesting. As, as, as he's ascending up to heaven and the disciples are going, what's plan B? And Jesus is like, there isn't one. So it's really cool the fact that he, his plan involves us in the process, but it starts with Holy Spirit conviction. We're to be the witness. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the pleading and who announces the verdict. And I said this in the first, and, and, and I'm going to say this now because if I don't say it, I'll forget it. And it's really important that I, that I say this right now is that if you're under Holy Spirit conviction, this may be your last opportunity to respond to that Holy Spirit conviction. Okay? Now, why do I say that? And this is, some of you are like, oh, I don't want to talk about this, Buchanan. Okay? None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Today may be your last day on earth. Every single one of us. Today may be the la- your last day on earth. So if you're in a Holy Spirit conviction right now, this may be your final opportunity to respond to that Holy Spirit conviction because tomorrow may be your appointed day to die. This week, Jennifer, my assistant, um, had a really good friend, was almost like family uh, to her. And, 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 and th- this is something, it may have been family, that's my bad, okay? All right, but, but, but grew up together, all that kind of stuff. And he died this week. He was 39 years old. Now, for everybody, all you teenagers, all you kids, you think, 39, boy, that's old. Let me help you with this. July, I turned 39 years old. 39 is young. Can I get an amen? 39 is young. I promise you, he did not think he was going to die at 39 years old. Now, thankfully, he has a testimony that he put his faith and trust in Jesus. I'm excited about that. But none of us, none of us. There is nobody that has a crystal ball to say, hey, every single one of us hope to die 70, 80, 90 years from now, but yet today there will be people that whatever age you are right now, there are probably people somewhere in the world that are dying at your age. It's not about a holy convincing. It's about a holy conviction. Number four. Number four. And I know it's heavy right now in the room, and let me help you with this. That's a good thing. Number four, the final reminder. The final reminder. Verse number nine. When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as they went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so here goes Jesus, he's ascending up in a cloud. They're, they're up there gazing, what, all this kind of stuff. Two angels come and say, why are you gazing? The person you're about to see right here, he's about to come down in like fashion. He's going to come back later on. Now, here's the final reminder, okay? Here's why I think those two angels had to show up. Because I think what would have happened if those two angels hadn't shown up, here's where they'd still be today. Looking up. Wonder if he's coming back today. Wonder if, I'll, I'll go out there and look up in the sky again tomorrow. I'll go up there and look up in the sky again tomorrow. I'll go and look up in the sky again tomorrow. But the reason why he, that ain't, those angels said, why are you gazing? He's going to come, come, come down again is because it wasn't time for gazing. It was time for going. They had a role and a responsibility to fulfill. And if they just say, and I, it's a cliche, but I'm going to say it, but I've heard it before. And I see this in some people. Sometimes we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. You ever heard that saying? 
You're so heavenly minded, you know that they're good. And I want us to be in awe of God, and I want us to worship Him, and I want us to be looking into heaven and, and all this kind of stuff. But we have to realize is that, that the reason why we're still on this earth is because we have a, we have a job to do. Okay? And so this is, right, I mean, we, we <laughs> that Christ, and here's the deal. Christ is going to return one day. Can I get an amen? He's coming. He's coming. We can either stare into heaven or get busy telling everyone he is coming soon. Here's the application. Gazing time is over. It's time to get going. Gazing time is over. It's time to get going. Let's everybody stand. Let's everybody stand. Here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to pray, and i got two, two, two groups I'm praying for. One is there's somebody on the sound of my voice, either online or in this room, that has never put their faith and trust in Jesus. And today's the day. You're, you're under Holy Spirit conviction right now. And you're like, Buchanan, you, you preach that message, and boy, I, man, God's doing something. That, or, 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 here's a, man, you preach that message, and boy, that's bothering Buchanan, that message you preach. That's not me bothering you. <laughs> that's not me bothering you. That's, that's the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and so you've got a decision to make. Are you going to stay in that way, or are you going to actually accept Him as Savior? That's the one group I want to do. The other group, and I know we keep talking about, well, Buchanan, you keep talking about sharing the gospel. Can we just move on to something else? The last words of Jesus is Acts 1-8 before He sends into heaven. We can't stop talking about it because... The final word before he left was, hey, I'm going to give you power with the Holy Ghost, and you go be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. We cannot stop talking about it. And so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Lord God, there's somebody on the sound of my voice right now that is under Holy Spirit conviction of their sin. They realize they're a sinner. And Lord God, that sin that, that is in their life right now, unless they put their faith and trust in Jesus, that sin will send them straight to hell. And Lord God, your word says, appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And their appointment could be tomorrow. Their appointment could be this afternoon. Their appointment could be on the way home. I don't know, God, when their appointment is. You know, but we don't know. And so, Lord God, if there's anybody on the sound of my voice, whether in the room or online right now, and they're under Holy Spirit conviction, Lord God, I pray they respond to that Holy Spirit conviction. They repent of their sins. They would turn from their sins. Admit they were a sinner. Repent of those sins. Believe that you died on the cross for those sins and rose up three days later in victory over those sins and confess you as Lord and Savior of your life. Lord God, anything we've done short of that is just words spoken in a prayer. But with repentance, belief, and confession, Lord God, according to your word, we can be saved. Saved from our sin. Have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Live live a life that is pleasing to you and be with you in heaven one day forever. So Lord God, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice right now, I pray they would pray that right now. Lord, I repent of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose up three days later in victory over my sins, and I'm confessing you as Lord and Savior of your life. If they've done that today, according to your word, they are gloriously and wonderfully saved. And for every single other person in this room, Lord God, 
They have the Holy Spirit inside of them, but if truth be told, they have, they have tried to do everything in the Christian life, including sharing the gospel, in their own physical flesh, in their own physical ability and will, and they're finding failure over and over and over. And Lord God, the only way they're going to find victory, whether sharing the gospel or getting free from sin or addiction or whatever it may be, the gamut between them all is to be leaning in and being controlled and filled by the Holy Spirit and let the power of the Holy Spirit do it through them and in them and not in their own ability. And so, Lord God, I pray that every single person leaves here, Lord God, that has put their faith and trust in Jesus, that they have the Holy Spirit, and, Lord God, they would actually access the power that they have inside of them today. And, Lord God, Lord, we're not going to push anything. We're not going to try to do all these different things to try to convince people. Lord God, here's what's really cool. Right now you're bringing Holy Spirit conviction to the person that doesn't know you as Christ, as, as Savior. And their conviction should lead them to salvation and you're bringing conviction to the believers so that they will see that they have not been following you and they need to do it in a greater fashion. So Lord God, every single person in this room, I pray we respond to the big conviction we're feeling right now and that we would turn from those things and turn towards you. Lord, we love you and make big of you today. You are so awesome. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.